Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So it's really good to be uh, with everyone this morning. My name is Eve. I'm the clergy leader here at St. George's. If you haven't met me before, or if you're new as well, do come and say hello. So good to meet new people. Uh, Hello to those here uh, and those who are online as well, uh, watching and worshipping with us today. And we're continuing this series, Growing on Our Front Lines, as we've been talking about together, being fruitful, maturing in faith. Um, Hopefully it's a really practical thing to be thinking about through Lent. Uh, And so that we're encouraging one another, growing, not out of striving and trying, but because we are spending time with Jesus and one another. So I wonder if uh, you've been doing any of the tools, maybe through your small groups that are offered uh, in the um, resources that we're using, and there's a variety of prayer tools. We've looked before, Josh has looked with us at the examine prayer I wonder if anyone has been using that at the end of their day, either alone or with a spouse or with someone in your household. Have we been exploring, as Mark helped us to do, our desires and our emotions and what they lead to in our behaviours? And we were doing that last week with Mark and we uh, hopefully are spotting things and this is cumulative as we journey through Lent together. This morning, we're thinking about our inner lives and how God helps us to grow on our front lines. And in case you've forgotten, our front line is the place where we spend much of our time in the week, uh, where you meet people who don't know Jesus. And we're considering our seasons of life this morning and how we can mature as disciples, as followers of Jesus, and what that maturity looks like in every season. And as I've mentioned, and I want to make clear, particularly as we think about the weeks we've come from, this isn't about striving, about trying really, really hard in our own strength to be better than we were last week. It's much more organic than that. Jesus invites us in this passage that we've heard today, that he spoke to his disciples, to abide or remain with him. That means to dwell, to spend time, to speak, to build relationship and intimacy, to build history with him. In verse 4 in John 15, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And sometimes it's helpful to read verses like that with all those different meanings of that word, remain, dwell, spend time, speak to me, build relationship with me. We can't do anything outside of our relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage us in that this morning, before we go on to thinking about maturity, that this is organic. It's about spending time with, abiding with Jesus together here and in our weeks. But as we think about maturity uh, in uh, in growing in our discipleship, 
Uh, a lot of this, as you've seen maybe in your small groups, is related to the organic images of trees and plants. I'm going to come back to this plant a bit later on. Um, and uh, you might discover as we go along, I am not a great gardener or a keen gardener, but I know there are those in this congregation that know what they're talking about. And when I was thinking about maturity and how we might learn from creation and then from what's in scripture, I thought of uh, my friend Ian, who is a keen gardener and who is um, a theologian and a scholar. And so I Zoomed him this week, because sometimes you just need to ask, ask a friend, rather than me tell you about what maturity in a plant looks like, which would not be speaking out the, of the integrity of my life, guys. I went to someone who does. So we're going to watch. It's just four minutes, and I ask, ask Ian about maturity in plants and maturity in scripture. So let's watch this together. Hi, Ian. Thank you so much for joining me on Zoom. You hey, are... Nice to see you. Thank you. Yeah, you do. You are Ian Paul, and you are um, a friend of mine and a New Testament scholar in particularly Revelation. Yep. But uh, also, I asked you to talk to me today uh, because I'm thinking about maturity in the yes. Bible and in discipleship. And you are um, a real gardener. I am a very good gardener. Yeah, and when uh, I visit you and your wife, Maggie, you always show me around the garden and the, the latest things that are happening. Um, you find it fascinating. Fascinating. It's so fascinating, and I love it. <laughs> um, I thought I would ask you, uh, we're thinking about maturity and what it means to be a mature disciple, uh, mm. but there's loads of organic imagery in Scripture rather than kind of machines and that kind of thing. Economics. Um, yes. Economics. So from your perspective... Uh, as a gardener, what does uh, a mature plant kind of look like? How does it get there? Um, let's think about that imagery. Yeah, I think, well, Eve, I think it's really, I found this a really fascinating question to reflect on. And I think in terms of what a mature plant or what a mature tree looks like, I think it's pretty straightforward at one level. And that is that a mature tree has two things on it in the right season. It has leaves, and it has fruit. Now, of course, what we're interested in for gardens and decorations, very often we like the blossom or the flowers, whatever. But, but for the plant's point of view, those are a means to the end. What's really interesting about leaves and fruit is that we might think both of those are attractive or functional. Actually, they're kind of the opposite because on the one hand, fruit is what the plant is producing. And the purpose of fruit is actually not to keep us stop us from being hungry from the plant's point of view the purpose of fruit is reproduction the mm -hmm. fruit is there so that someone will eat it the seeds will go through and they'll be deposited somewhere so i've got when i've got mature plants in my garden what i tend to find is i get lots and lots of little seedlings growing up i've got a big yew tree and i've got loads of yew tree seedlings around i can dig them up i've got a walnut tree it produces the fruit the squirrels bury it and then i get loads and loads of walnut seedlings so one sign of a mature plant is it just reproduces itself. Yeah. And I think that's very much the idea behind the language of fruitfulness in the New Testament. We tend to think of it, we often think of it as qualities, but it's not really. When Jesus says in John 15 that, you know, uh, you'll be pruned, so you'll be bare much fruit, he's really looking at the ministry of the disciples, the 12, and that their testimony will produce more disciples. It'll be self-replicating. It'll be fruitful. It'll, be, it'll lead to multiplication. That's one thing. I think the other thing I find very striking about a mature plant is it's got beautiful foliage. It's got leaves. Mm -hmm. Now, again, we tend to look at it from a, you know, uh, a consumer point of view and say, well, the leaves are pretty and glossy and they look nice. The leaves of the tree 
of the thing that sustains it. Mm. And I think that when you have a mature plant, uh, it feeds itself, it sustains itself. It's already got its roots down deep so it can reach for the water even in the dry seasons. And it's got leaves, which means that it can photosynthesize. You just need to make sure you've got enough sunlight. So that's something I don't think I'd really got my head around before. But again, that chimes in very much with what the New Testament says about maturity and discipleship. You know, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, you know, uh, in relation to evil, be infants, but in relation to understanding, be perfect, teleos, uh, be mature. The old translation say, in understanding be men, but it doesn't mean that. It means it means be fully mature. Again, in Ephesians, he talks about us growing up into the head, which is Christ, that we may be mature. Jesus says, well, again, most translations say, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But again, the word there is teleos. Reach your goal, reach the, your, your goal of maturity, because you you know as you grow you can feed yourself you can read the scriptures you share fellowship you 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 continue in prayer and you continue to learn things so so just as a tree has leaves which then feed it we too as mature disciples know how to feed and sustain ourselves so that we can be fruitful and we can be reproducing in terms of spiritual spiritual lives perfect that word is the same as be mature that makes it to me a little bit more accessible than be perfect. It's mature to your full potential in Christ. So we heard there uh, from a gardener's perspective and from scripture that maturity uh, looks like fruit and fruitfulness for reproduction, that disciples of Jesus are people that make new disciples and that mature plants have leaves and deep roots, but leaves that sustain health and growth to help the plant feed itself. And we know about fruit of the Spirit in the Bible, in the New Testament, and sometimes we can think about those as qualities, as Ian said, but it's for reproduction. And our faith and our life should sow seeds that grow into new things in God's kingdom. And fruit is a sign of growth, and it's not primarily for us. It's also for the benefit of the church and the world. It also puts into perspective for us, I think, from that passage, uh, the purpose uh, and the intent of pruning in our lives. You prune a plant in order for more fruitfulness, um, and we are pruned or sometimes disciplined by God for the sake of that with him as well. In John 15, three and four, uh, he said, Jesus says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And he says to his disciples, you are already clean. I've already, I'm already gonna do what's needed to be done because of my word spoken to you. So then remain in me. And pruning also has that understanding of cleaning, correction, discipline for the sake of growth. In Hebrews 12, that we've looked at before, um, the writer says, throw off sin that easily entangles you. Allow yourself to be pruned by God. Run with perseverance, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Consider, think about Jesus so that you don't lose heart. And in Hebrews 12, 11, the writer says, discipline, godly discipline and correction seems, does not seem pleasant at the time, but painful. 
Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for all who have been trained by it. So mature plants have leaves and roots, and maturing disciples know what it is to feed themselves, to read the scriptures, to share fellowship, to pray, and to learn. Now, this doesn't mean that you might have guessed that you don't, we don't need to be part of a church that gathers together, that one day we uh, get to the point where we can do this without the church community. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that once we produce mature disciples, they just go off on their own and wander in the world. But it might mean that we don't rely on our Sunday gatherings to fuel the whole of our life with Jesus for the rest of the week. And it's the same, actually, with our kids and our youth groups as well, and how we uh, go about those, that those youth groups and those times together on a Sunday are gathered to resource and feed us, but we're discipling our young people as well to not only rely on that gathering in the week for their following of Jesus. It means, practically, that we take some responsibility or increasing responsibility in our lives to feed ourselves with the word of Christ and to do that uh, individually and in households and in our communities. But note what Jesus says, we always remain attached to the vine, to Jesus. That's one of the things that we don't detach from. We stay connected to him. Practically, this might look like in your week that you take time, maybe each morning or at some point in the day, uh, to read the Bible, to pray, and to pray about what you've got on, and your, on your front line in that week. It might look like if you're a family with children that at different times in the day or once a day, you take a short moment to pray together. You, give, you do gratitude together. I see this in my friends at mealtimes when we thank God for the food, but not only for that, but just what's been happening in the day. Or on the way back from school, you might say, what, what, what good things have happened today? What's happened today? What, what things were difficult? Should we just ask God to help us with those things? Or before bed, we say, what can we pray for and who can we pray for? Often we think that these are big things that take a whole, you know, change of our lifestyle, but actually it's small things that we do each and every day, and we don't have to be experts in them to do them uh, with others or with those around us. That's why we have our small groups and our, um, our groups that meet during the week to look at the scriptures together, but not just that for the sake of knowledge, but also for the sake of thinking about our weeks. And you'll remember that in our first uh, one of these talks that I gave, we did a discipleship survey. And we thought, let's think about how we're following Jesus. And lots of people filled that in. And I just want to encourage you because I'm not asking you or us to do anything that lots of us aren't already doing. It's much more of an encouragement to keep doing it. Because over half of those who filled in that discipleship survey read their Bibles either daily or three to six times a week outside of church. That's really encouraging. And then over 30% of people who filled it in spend time in personal prayer um, daily, and 18% more than once a day. 
uh, and many more three to six times a week. That's also really encouraging. It was interesting to think that maybe when people are reading their Bibles, they don't always pray too, because those numbers aren't the same. Isn't that interesting? If we read your Bible and prayed daily, then they would match. So I want to encourage us that when we read, if we're asking God into it, if we're making a couple of notes about how that might speak into our day, then we are praying. 50% of people that filled it in found that participating in their small group and then also Sunday gatherings, they were the same, helped them grow most as a disciple. It shows those rhythms in our week that help us remain close to Jesus. Other things included praying with others, Bible study, volunteering on team, and showing generosity, being generous, really helped them grow as a disciple. Some of the biggest hurdles that were mentioned, and you might relate to this, you might want to talk uh, with those that you kind of trust or you're journeying with, Biggest hurdles to discipleship were consistency and self-discipline, keeping doing the things that we know are good for us, the feeding, the watering that we do with plants. Balancing life and working out how to do that, all the different things that we have going on. And confidence in sharing our faith and being bold in our faith. Really encouragingly, 60% of those who ticked that they had regular contact with uh, children and young people they put between uh, seven and 10 in that confidence out of 10, that they feel confident in helping children and young people grow in faith. Isn't that brilliant that as a church, we have that confidence? And I'd love in the future, 100% of those people to feel confident with children and young people. It also means as we mature that in tough times, we have more resource to draw on and more perspective because of our intimacy and our relationship, our history with God. And Ellie's going to be talking more next week about uh, tough times and how we continue to grow even through those. But just as I've said, this doesn't mean that we don't go to church anymore or we don't gather with other Christians. It also doesn't mean, I just want to put this out there, doesn't mean that after a while, we as church leaders or ministry team, etc., Expect you just to, expect everyone in church just to fend for themselves. Uh, and when hard times come or general life, you know, comes around, we're going, oh, well, you're a mature disciple now. You can just do it all on your own. It doesn't mean being on our own. Because we all have times when we need the support of the community. We need the support of our leaders. And we are here for that. We all are. Plants need protection from adverse weather, uh, and we need that through one another as well. But maturity means knowing how much we need each other as a community, being interdependent, not independent, like a forest rather than a solitary tree. And it might be that God is stirring in us today. I've tried to do things on my own or be a bit isolated. Is God inviting me into community again? But it might also bring more self-awareness of how we respond to certain situations or when we might really need encouragement or additional support. But it never means that we've just got everything absolutely right and we don't need anyone else. That's why we always have prayer ministry as well when we gather because we know that we always will have people that would appreciate and need that together. 
Maturing will look a little bit different depending on the season of life that we're in. And um, in the next slide, it's got um, these, we'll put, we can put these um, online as well if it's helpful, but if you want to have a quick uh, glance at that, this is um, seasons of life as described in the resources that I find helpful. And they're not quite the same as stages of life. Sometimes we think of stages like if you're young or then you might be a kind of student type of age, then you might be the kind of age where you may or may not get married, then you might have children and that's a kind of different stage. This is more um, seasons that actually can apply to wherever we are in life and whatever age we are. So some of us might be feeling in a very summer place at the moment, active in service, exploring things. Some of us might be in a more autumn, bearing fruit, busy and productive, but there are some challenges. Some of us might feel, we've just had some snow, haven't we, in March. Um, Some of us might be feeling a bit wintry, but we might be feeling stuck or frustrated. Others of us might be in more of a springtime. I think maybe as a church we're in a bit of a springtime, emerging from the past few years, uh, going deeper with God in prayer and presence, but looking to grow so that we can continue to reproduce and church plant and all of those things. And there's also tasks or things to notice for the season there that uh, as we grow in maturity, we can learn to notice and observe and pay attention to our lives. And in these different, sta- uh, different stages, um, we can still be intentional, have those rhythms that help us in any season to stay close to Jesus and one another, to note that when we're going through a transition, we need to notice that, and also to do that with others. And what do these look like in our key relationships? If we're married, how does this look like with our spouse, uh, with our family, with our children? How does this look like for a whole family or a whole small group, not just individuals? So we draw to a close, we're gonna show you another video. It's just three, uh, three minutes of Ian and myself chatting about um, how do we become mature as we think about this together. So let's just watch this now. Thank you, that's so interesting. And it's gonna help us think, I think about the, the importance of pruning, that it isn't just for our sake, but it's so that we grow, but also for us as a Absolutely. church planting church, yeah. um, part of that is to, to see those, those seedlings yeah. go beyond just us and see that in the future. Absolutely. And I, and I think you'll, you'll mention a pruning also. I mean, you asked me two questions. One is, what does a mature tree look like? But the other thing is, how do you get there? Now, of course, actually, when you've got a... I'm, I'm sowing seeds at the moment for my vegetable garden. And when you sow seeds, when you have a, a, a new plant, a seedling or a sapling and you're planting a tree, actually, there's lots and lots of things that you need to do. And that's relevant as well for you in terms of church planting. So, for example, when you plant a tree you must tie it to a support for the first five years because um, it it needs to face the inclement weather. It needs to face the battering of the winds and it needs to do that so that it can go strong. But you need to provide the support appropriate to its level of maturity. So if you just stick a tree out in the middle of the, the wilds, it'll get blown over and uprooted. So you have to put a support there. As the tree grows stronger, you need less support. The same is true with things like feeding it. So again, in the first few years, you've got to make sure it's well watered. You know, Monty Don always says this on uh, when he's planting things out on, a, on, on garden as well. Make sure you give it a good soaking to start with. You've got to provide the, the watering and the food so that the plant grows strong. 
as it grows stronger, you can pull back on the support and the feeding from the outside because it'll start to, as it puts roots down, it'll start to be able to resource itself. So there's a very clear sense of staging there. And I think what I found, what I'm very, very aware of in, in, as a gardener is that your, 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 your support on the one hand and your exposing the plant, testing it, yeah. has to be in proportion to its maturity. So, for mm. instance, again, gardeners always talk about when you plant a plant, you then have to harden it off. So you keep it warm, you keep it nurtured, and you keep it safe. But in order to prepare it for the real world, you have to gradually expose it to the inclemency of the weather, so the hot and the cold, the day and the night and so on. But you just have to do that in quite a controlled way so that it will grow strong and it will become mature. And again, it's really interesting that Peter uses this language as well. He, he talks about craving the pure spiritual milk. And then Paul says, you know, when you're young, we'll give you milk. But now, as you've grown up, now we give you solid food, we give you meat, you know, and again, it's another organic image of a child growing up, and you change its diet in proportion to how mature it is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think that's going to give us a lot of food for thought, no pun intended, uh, as we <laughs> grow in our maturity. Um, and of course, so pruning is key, because you say you have to prune out dead wood, you prune out that which is not producing fruit, and therefore, it, the, the, so you direct the life to really be fruitful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ian. Good to see you. Great to be with you, Eve. The support appropriate to our level of maturity as we mature in faith and that's what we're aiming for at St George's but we also uh, really want to be uh, hearing from you and one another how we do that for each other as well as just on our Sunday gatherings um, and one of the, the some of the questions that raises is how um, how do we support those around us who are less uh, mature in faith who are uh, who are earlier on in the journey and are we teachable and responsive to support as well. And as uh, I mentioned there, we're a church planting church, so I think that has something to say to us as well about growing disciples uh, and being a church that's able to send mature disciples as a gift to other uh, locations and other churches as grafts or as new churches uh, with ordained people and lay people leading those. Um, and we can be thinking about that, our role in the bigger picture of that, whether we stay or whether we're sent. And you know that that's part of our vision already if you've been here for any length of time, uh, to make disciples. And we have our internship, we have Sunday gatherings, small groups, training in prayer ministry and pastoral support. And I loved what Ian said about needing a good soaking as a new plant. And every so often, even as a disciple, we need a good soaking. We need to spend time being filled with God's spirit again. Um, and so we're going to respond. And the, the response really is our whole our whole lives. I hope you realise that, not just here. But I brought in one of my plants from home. This is the plant that was in the background of my Zoom background, guys. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. Do you think this is a real plant or a fake plant? It's fake. Artificial. This is an artificial plant from Ikea. You can also buy real plants from Ikea. Um, and I do have one of those. I was going to bring that as well, but it's actually looking quite worse for wear. And I was just like, you know what? Um, I don't, need, I don't want any judgment from, from the congregation or people coming up to me saying, I could help you be a better gardener because I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, so this is an IKEA plant. It looks great. It looks mature um, if what you want is for display. But um, I would argue that in discipleship, we don't want uh, display Christians we want real Christians who are growing and maturing. And if I take, as fell out in my car earlier, if I take a seedling from this plant and put it over here, 
Um, and I could water it and do all sorts of things to it. In five years, what do I have? Exactly the same thing. Um, and I have this in my office because there's not much light there, so actually it works because I can put it there and it looks nice. Um, but it's not what we're going for. We want real plants that grow, reproduce, and develop leaves and roots. So my kind of application practically for this is based on this little guy, um, and he's called Groot. Does anyone know Groot? Um, give me a wave if you know who this person is. If you don't, your homework is to go and watch Guardians of the Galaxy, the superhero films. So I love Groot. So Groot um, is a living tree creature in Guardians of the Galaxy, the superhero film. And um, in the first, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm just going to tell you. If you've read the Bible, you know what happens to Groot. So Groot, wonderful tree, living tree creature in the first film, um, protects his friends from uh, coming death and gives up his life for the sake of quite a few others. I don't know if you're seeing any links here. Um, and then sacrifices himself and comes as a new shoot. And in the second film, he is baby Groot. And there's a whole scene where baby Groot, while a whole load of like, fighting is happening around him, is having a complete dance and groove to a song as in a childlike, beautiful way. So if you go on YouTube and say, Dan Dancing Groot, one on the left, go and find him. And when I watched that film, it's one of the things that God speaks to me you know, through. God was like, you need to be more Groot. Childlike in faith, not childish. The Bible says put childish things behind you, but childlike faith in our Heavenly Father. Um, so I bought this that sits on my mantelpiece to remind me to be more Groot. Um, and then we see in the next film, uh, that's coming out in the trailers currently, he has grown up to a sort of like beefy Groot who's like really mature in himself and like confident in who he is. So if you want to, to know uh, a bit more of contemporary application of this, be more Groot, guys. So we want to be those real living trees, not this, which we could leave in church all day and we could leave, but it's, it doesn't produce anything. It looks great, but it's fake, it's artificial, and we don't want artificial. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.